Hi there, welcome to another episode of Spud Chat. I'm Ryan Barrett with the PEI Potato Board. Today I'm joined by Dr. David Burton of Dalhousie Faculty of Agriculture. David is uh, no stranger to potato producers in PEI. He's been over here a lot doing research trials and uh, speaking uh, engagements. Uh, talking about a variety of subjects, but often talking about nitrogen management. Dave is a soil scientist, and uh, he has a real passion for talking about how we can dial in nitrogen a little bit more, uh, make sure that we're not using more than we need to, investigating how we can better quantify the nitrogen we, we do have in our soils, and also looking at like these enhanced efficiency nitrogen sources um, to reduce nitrates as well as reduce nitrous oxide off-gassing. Uh, as always, if you have any questions, please feel free to get a hold of me. Tell us what you think about the podcast. Tell us about the type of topics you'd like to hear in the future. And uh, without further ado, let's get into our chat with Dr. David Burton. Today on Spud Chat, I am joined by uh, Dr. David Burton. Uh, David is a uh, professor at the Dalhousie Faculty of Agriculture in Truro, Nova Scotia, and uh, and has been a, a great partner for the PEI potato industry on a lot of research and extension over the last number of years. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Dave. Thank you, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here. So, David, I think a lot of people, a lot of growers would be familiar with you and probably have seen you speak or, or, or have, uh, have met you in the past. But maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and about your sort of your research interests and, and your, uh, your position uh, with uh, AC. OK, uh, well, I'm, I'm a soil scientist. Um, and, and so my focus uh, in, the, in the department of in the Faculty of Agriculture. So my focus has been largely around nutrient management in agricultural production systems, but most specifically on nitrogen management. And so over the last several decades, I've been trying to develop ways in which we can use nitrogen more efficiently in Atlantic Canada. Uh, both in terms of enhancing uh, the economic performance of our, our, our production systems, but also reducing their environmental impact. And uh, much of that work has been with the potato industry and, and the potato industry in Prince Edward Island. So, yeah, so that, that's been a primary focus of my work. I know uh, when I first started in this, uh, in my role with the board in terms of uh, research coordination and, and agronomy work, uh, we partnered on some uh, research around sort of benchmarking Prince Edward Island fields uh, around uh, what you would term as soil nitrogen supply. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about that research and, and, and sort of where that's gone over the last few years? One of the things we would like to do is, is, is better represent the ability of, of uh, our soils to supply nitrogen, in, in part because our management of the soil influences how much nitrogen is being, being made available uh, to the crop from the soil, from the mineralization of organic matter. And so what we did in that survey is we, we looked at a potential nitrogen test that would allow us to assess that mineralizing capacity. And so we surveyed 26 different fields in Prince Edward Island, and we found there was a significant amount of variation from field to field. And so we wanted to find a way of trying to capture that. And so We've been working on the uh, nitrogen supply test, which we, we the the PEI analytical lab is now offering as part of their soil health package. 
uh, a measure of biological nitrogen availability. And the intent is to allow producers to assess what, what the nitrogen supplying capacity of the soils are in an attempt to adjust their rates to provide a site-specific nitrogen uh, rate that reflects the conditions of their soils and their management on, on, in terms of nitrogen supply. Yeah, because I know there's a lot of, as you say, there's a lot of variability and it depends on soil type and it depends on organic matter and it depends on you know what's in rotation with those potatoes. And uh, we also know that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of rotations in PEI that would have legumes like clover and alfalfa in them, but sometimes growers find it a challenge to to properly account for that nitrogen in their in their nutrient management planning, like in their in their fertilizer planning, because they maybe they're not 100% sure when that nitrogen is going to be available. Exactly, and we haven't had an actual test to measure that. We've used credits in the past for legumes and manure and organic matter, but we want to get a, a method by which we can actually measure the, the nitrogen supplying capacity of the soil. Because you're right, as as we introduce some of these beneficial practices that build up organic matter, that build soil health, such as using manures, legumes, more diverse crop rotations, we want to ensure that producers get the credit for that uh, extra nitrogen supplying capacity, and they reduce their their uh, nitrogen application rates to reflect that, or in some cases increase them. If uh, the soil is is particularly low in nitrogen supplying capacity, there might be a need for an additional amount of fertilizer. But we want that to be a measurement based decision, not just a, a, a guess, if you will. Exactly, and I know especially we're going into a cropping season where the fertilizer prices have increased year over year, probably the, the biggest jumps ever. Um, you know, we're seeing 50 to 70% cost increases for certain, uh, for certain nutrients and particularly nitrogen, it seems to be really jumping. So anything that growers can do to, to identify how maybe they can better tailor their nitrogen use and, and not, not overuse something, you know, that they don't need to overuse is, is valuable. And I think particularly in potatoes, it's, it's an interesting story too, Dave, because I know like in certain crops, if you put on extra nitrogen, uh, well, there's extra nitrogen and you've spent extra money on nitrogen and there's nitrogen, you might lose the nitrogen from the soil, but it may not have much of a detrimental impact on the, on the crop. In potatoes, if we use too much nitrogen, it definitely can have a detrimental impact on the crop. Well, exactly. And, and I think we, we've seen in recent years that that there's other things that are limiting yield potential in, in uh, PEI. We've had a number of dry Augusts where uh, our yields suffered a bit and, and there's some, been some, some disease issues. And so I think less and less nitrogen is, is limiting crop production. And I, th- I think we need to start adjusting some of our rates to reflect the fact that uh, we reflect the yields we're actually getting as, as opposed to the yields we'd hope to get. And so one of the things we've been doing in our our research is looking at the opportunity to reduce nitrogen application by 10 or 20% and still get the same sort of yield production uh, that we've been getting. And, and we've been having some success in that regard. We, we, we've had a number of trials over the years where we've introduced either a 10 or 20% reduction in nitrogen uh, application rate, and often we don't see any yield reduction. And so the other aspect of this nitrogen test is we're trying to make sure that it allows us to ensure that our nitrogen rate recommendation actually reflects the actual yield potentials we're getting from our our, uh, our crops, not not uh, uh, target yields that we may not, we may not be able to achieve because of other 
climatic or disease limitations. Right. And I think it's important to remind a lot of people too. I, a lot of people would know it, you know, well, or they've, they've heard you speak or they've heard me speak or they've heard other people speak over the year, but uh, nitrogen is a little bit unique uh, amongst some of the other nutrients in the soil that, you know, especially in our soils and our climates, if we apply nitrogen and it isn't used by the crop, it's not, the free nitrate isn't going to be there the next year for the next crop most of the time. That's correct? Oh, absolutely. And and uh, in fact, in Prince Edward Island, we uh, we can lose a f- uh, almost all of the nitrogen over the winter period as either as leaching to groundwater and we want to protect our groundwater sources or being produced as nitrous oxide, which is an important greenhouse gas. And we're hearing more and more about uh, the need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from agriculture. And there's a number of new programs that are going to encourage practices to reduce nitrous oxide emissions. And a lot of that is about both effective in-season, growing season man, uh, nitrogen management, but also ensuring that we don't leave a lot of nitrogen in the field at the end of harvest to be lost over the winter period. So one of the other measures that we're encouraging producers to, to consider is measuring the nitrate in their, in, their, in their soil following harvest and see how much is left over. And that's another way in which we can tailor our nitrogen rates. If we're leaving a lot of the nitrate behind after the harvest, that's, that's fertilizer we put on on and we bought that we're not using effectively. And that's also fertilizer that can, uh, nitrogen that can impact the environment. So again, we're just, we're trying to develop some tools that allow producers to, to refine their nitrogen rates, to reflect their growing conditions, their soils, and, and uh, adjust their management for both agronomic and environmental benefit. So you talked a little bit about nitrous oxide, and that's definitely an area that you know, I hear more about all the time and, and we're hearing about in, in programming in the popular uh, in farm press and the popular press. And, you know, um, nitrous oxide is a greenhouse gas, of course, but it's many more times uh, more detrimental or has much, many more, much more power than just carbon dioxide, correct? Yes, it's about it's about 300 times more potent as a, as a greenhouse gas. So one one molecule of nitrous oxide has the same impact on the atmosphere as, as uh, 300 carbon dioxide. So, so yes, we, uh, we want to be very careful in, in, in reducing uh, nitrous oxide emissions from agriculture. And the other aspect of that, of course, is we paid to put that nitrogen there. So the, the more efficiently we can use nitrogen, the greater the economic benefit, but certainly also the, the greater the environmental benefit. Yeah. So, uh, so you know it's a win-win if we can if we can be doing a better job in terms of tailoring our nitrogen and and trying to prevent as you say that leftover nitrogen. I know in potatoes one of the challenges we have sometimes is um, you know historically a lot of the nitrogen in in uh, potato production is applied all at planting or all before planting and uh, or and there's maybe not as many opportunities to split apply nitrogen or um, uh, you know applying it during the season, especially in a, in a dry land system. And I know an area that you've been uh, doing quite a bit of research on in the last few years is around inhibited nitrogen products. So products that have um, nitrification inhibitors uh, that, uh, that maybe are more slow release and that maybe um, supply the nitrogen more later in the season when the crop actually needs it, when the demand is higher, and also hopefully protect some of that nitrogen from, from being lost to 
to leaching or to off-gassing. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, that research, David, and, and what you've been doing on that? Yeah, you, you've, you've nicely summarized the challenge. Uh, we, we want to put uh, uh, nitrogen on earlier in the season when, when we're in the field doing planting and those sorts of operations. But the problem is that the plant is, is not ready to take up that nitrogen. So we want to try to find better ways in which we can synchronize the availability of nitrogen to the demand of the plant for nitrogen. And, and so this, this involves a number of different processes. So one of the things that happens in the soil is if we put down something like urea, it's transformed into ammonium by the, by the action of the urease enzyme. And that ammonium is transformed into nitrate as a result of nitrification. It's nitrate that is the form that can be easily lost. So the transformation from urea to nitrate uh, through, through those processes occurs over about a week or two. So what happens if we're putting all the nitrogen down before our, our, our pre-plant or with the planter, within, within a week or so, we've got this large pool of nitrate that is sitting there and can be lost by a large rainfall or, or something like that and, and, and may not survive long enough for, to be able to supply the plant. So there are a number of strategies we can use to try to delay that formation of the nitrate in the soil. So it's, it becomes available more in synchrony with the, the, the demands of the plant. One of them is, as you said, uh, uh, the timing of when we put the nitrogen application on. So split applications, putting a little bit on at planting, but then coming back at hilling time or, or something and putting some more of, 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 of that nitrogen on as a broadcast that just before hilling. Um, that, that is one way in which we can ensure that that nitrogen is, is less susceptible to loss and more available to the plant. Another one that we're looking at is using a product that inhibits that nitrification process uh, or, or the, the uh, urease activity so, so that we can delay that nitrogen formation. And we've been looking at a, a couple of products. And, and again, one of the keys are we're, is we're trying, to, we're trying to increase the efficiency of nitrogen utilization. So one of the things we've, we've been finding with our research is the way we can most effectively use these inhibitors is by uh, reducing the rate of nitrogen application at the same time. So we expect these inhibitors will increase the efficiency of our nitrogen use by say 10 or 20%. We also find that when we similarly reduce the rate of nitrogen application by that same 10 or 20%, not only do we uh, supply sufficient nitrogen to the crop to support yield, we limit the opportunity for, for nitrogen losses. And we've seen some rather significant reductions in nitrous oxide loss through using uh, these inhibited products at reduced nitrogen application rates. We don't always see that if we use it at the same application rate as we use our traditional uninhibited product. Because often what happens is that the inhibition simply delays the formation of nitrate and that nitrate accumulates in the fall. And instead of being lost during the growing season, it's lost during the fall, but it's nonetheless lost doesn't enhance yield, it just increases losses. So again, coupling the use of these inhibited products with re reduced nitrogen application rates is a, is a way in which we can achieve both agronomic efficiency, but also environmental uh, reduce our environmental impacts. Yeah, and I know there's, there has been a, an increased uptake in these type of products, and there's, there's a few different types of products out there, um, but um, I think there's definitely been more attention paid to split application and and sort of these protected products or slow release products 
And uh, because of, as you said, there's agronomic benefits to it, but there's also environmental. And I think uh, there was just an announcement here uh, in the last few days about um, on-farm uh, climate adaptation programs across Canada. And uh, there's going to be one um, administered here locally by the PEI Federation of Agriculture. And I believe that nitrogen use is going to definitely be part of that programming. So we'll stay tuned to hear more about how growers can maybe uh, get some, apply for some, uh, some funding assistance around the use of some of these, uh, possibly the use of some of these uh, enhanced efficiency uh, nitrogen products. But um, I think there, your other comment that, you know, uh, we probably have a room to tailor our nitrogen use a little bit more um, without sacrificing yield, I think is important. I, I had one little accidental trial last year with a grower uh, where, you know, the, the fertilizer um, shoot got blocked on the planter on one row uh, in a field. And they planted about half the field before they noticed that they had this problem. So every sixth row in that field um, had no nitrogen at planting. So it was about a uh, 150 uh, pound per acre nitrogen reduction versus his regular, uh, you know, his regular nitrogen rate. And when we went in there and did, uh, you know, yield sampling and graded it out, there was no difference in yield. <laughs> Even with that really dramatic nitrogen difference, there was no difference in yield. And in fact, the there was a little difference in total yield. The, the low nitrogen had a little lower total yield, but when it came to marketable yield, there was no difference because the low nitrogen rose had less hollow heart. And that happened to be a variety which was a little bit susceptible to hollow heart. So, you know, sometimes the the big number coming out of the field and trucks out of the field is, doesn't always tell the whole story either. It comes down to size and quality and specific gravity and a lot of those other things, which are all impacted by nitrogen. Yeah. And, and we've been doing similar trials over the last five years where we've been comparing a, a grower standard practice to, to uh, trials where we add a, a an, uh, inhibited product at a reduced rate or actually just simply reduce the rate uh, to, in an attempt to calibrate the new biological nitrogen availability trial. We've been, we did trials last year where we reduced the nitrogen fertilizer rate by 25%. So we could determine which, which fields were responsive and, and, and none of the fields were responsive. None of them had any yield decline as a result of reducing the nitrogen rate by 25%. Right. So I do think we really have to evaluate whether nitrogen is actually limiting our yields and try to, 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 Cut back on that nitrogen application rate. One one of the uh, one of the practices that I, I I'd like to see whether producers would be interested in trying is is doing exactly what you what you did accidentally within within their fields. And if they ran a strip where they cut their nitrogen fertilizer back by 20 percent, and just see if it's having any impact. Because I think we've been we've been running with these these traditional recommended rates for quite a long time. We need to now reevaluate them and, and, and try to decide whether we actually need to put all that nitrogen on, particularly because as these programs like OFCAF are trying to incent us reducing our, our nitrous oxide emissions, one of the surefire ways of doing that is reducing our rate of nitrogen application. And if we can generate the same yields, the same profit per, per, uh, per acre uh, with a reduced nitrogen application rate, well, that... That, that's going to increase the amount of money in our pocket and, and benefit the environment. So I'd really encourage producers to think carefully about why, why they're choosing the nitrogen application rate they, they are and, and whether they could cut back on that a little bit and, and uh, 
whether using an enhanced efficiency product or simply cutting, doing a, a straight cutback or a split application, think about whether you can, you can cut back that nitrogen application rate a bit. And I think one last thing that kind of goes into this and supports what you're talking about, Dave, is in PEI in the last few years, we've seen a big shift in terms of the varieties that are being grown. And some of these new varieties um, tend to be much more resistant to, say, potato early dying and, you know, verticillium. And so often, you know, the excuse was, well, you need to keep a little extra nitrogen on to keep these potatoes alive through August and September, you know, on the Russet Burbanks, which we also know Russet Burbanks, maybe not the most efficient feeder uh, of, of varieties out there either. So on some of these new varieties, we can't just fertilize them like we would at Russet Burbank because they don't need that much nitrogen just because they are a, a more efficient variety. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And, and uh, so, yeah, I, I think it would be really wise for producers to check out this new biological nitrogen availability test to, so, to, to try to quantify what your soil nitrogen supply rate is compared to average values for PEI. Uh, think of, think about the efficiency with which you're using your nitrogen fertilizer. Can you use delaying application with a split application or enhanced efficiency product? But also think about what what is that nitrogen application rate you're using, and try cutting back on a little bit on a strip in your field and see whether you actually see the difference. By combining these practices, I think we can deliver, we can support the profitable yields, but reduce the amount of nitrogen we're using and reduce our impact on the environment. And that, that works out, that, that's, that's a win-win-win. So it, it works out well for everyone. That's great. Um, well, thanks a lot for joining me today, uh, Dave, to talk about this a little bit. I know an exciting thing too on your end is uh, they're finally uh, finishing up a lot of the labs and office spaces in the in uh, the Cox building after the fire at, at AC a few years ago. And uh, I think, uh, you know, you definitely had some challenges around your lab and, and uh, over the last couple of years, but that seems to be uh, all uh, getting finished up here in the near few, in the, in the last uh, few months, eh? Yes. No, we're, we're making great strides. We have the new Cox building all open now and, and the labs have been renovated. We've also recently formed a new center at, at the, the Dal AC. We have a center for sustainable soil management. And so it's bringing together a lot of the soil scientists and agronomists in our group to, to really focus on how we can, to, uh, can improve our, our soil management practices in the region to support uh, uh, plant growth, but at the same time, use our nutrients efficiency, efficiently. So we're really excited about those initiatives and, and uh <laughs> We're glad we have our the, the, the troubles of, of the fire behind us and pandemic, and we're really looking forward to the future. We're going to do some, some great things. That's great. My last question on Spud Chat is always, uh, do you have a favorite variety of potato? Well, I like the nitrogen efficient ones, so I, I'm, I'm always I, I, I'm always skeptical of the russet Burbank. I think uh, Shepardy and some of these other varieties are a little bit more nice nitrogen efficient. So um, I, I don't mind shorter fries. So so maybe I, I'm going to favor those ones. Okay, very good. Well, thanks a lot again for your time, David. If uh, anybody wants to get in touch with you, they can uh, find you through the Dal uh, website and uh, you're, you're not, a, you shouldn't be hard to find. And, uh, and we look forward to seeing you back in PEI uh, this summer. I'll be happy to be there. Thank you very much for this, Ryan. It's a, it's a pleasure to have a chance to chat with you about this. All right. Thanks, Dave. Thank you.